Welcome to the God Pod. I'm your host of hosts, the good lord with the most, the one and only Almighty God. Thank you for joining us as we attempt to restore order to the multiverse. I'm here today with my pals. What's up, gang? Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Moses, welcome back. How are you doing, Moses? It's been a while. I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Uh, the wife is about to have the baby. Wow. Her water could break during this recording, so if it does break, I reminded her that there's an Oscar winner on the pod with us today, so she shall have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we're all on the same page there. <laughs> all right. Today on The God Pod, we'll talk to Oscar-winning director-writer Trayvon Free. He just won the Oscar for his short film, Two Distant Strangers. After that, we'll play a game called, Is This a Bible Verse or a Thing a Republican Said? Then we'll discuss a little goddamn news, and we'll finish out the show, as we usually do, with some blessings, smites, and evolutions. So... Let's get right to it. Our guest today is Trayvon Free, who's a comedian, actor, and writer. He's written for Full Frontal with Samantha B, The Daily Show, and Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons on HBO. Trayvon has won an Emmy Award for his work on The Daily Show. And let me say it again. He just won an Academy Award for Two Distant Strangers in the Best Live Action Short Film category. Welcome to the God Pod, Trayvon. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. No, oh, no. Thanks for coming. You're a huge get for us. Uh, absolutely iconic guest. <laughs> uh, so tell me about what it's been like the last two weeks. You win an Oscar. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been so crazy because, one, it takes a very long time to set in, which it still hasn't. Uh, <laughs> Uh, funny enough, and another Oscar winner I know told me yesterday it's going to take a long time to set in. But uh, you know, you get you get a wave of meetings and pitch calls from people who want to either hire you to do some project that's been sitting in their company and they've been desperately looking for someone to do, or they want you to uh, give them anything you have sitting around. So that's been nice. Yeah, it's been like a, a two week courting period, basically. <laughs> Now, do you get a lot of uh, phone calls from relatives you didn't realize you were related to? <laughs> you do get an, a, a very, very large influx of text messages and emails from people you either don't know, numbers you didn't have, or people you haven't heard from <laughs> in ages. Are you still taking ideas? Because I've got a bunch of ideas to pitch at you. Are they written <laughs> on a napkin, Satan? They're written in fire on the ground. Right. <laughs> That's basically exactly as I imagined uh, it would be. I saw you sign, you got a deal, right? Like to make movies for as long as you want? No, no I, I signed a TV first look with Endeavor Content, okay. which funny enough was, you know, we made that deal maybe almost three months ago now, oh. and, but they didn't announce it until the day after the Oscars. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, damn, that was fast. Very interesting time. <laughs> I just think it's so f amazing you're here, and I just want to tell people how this came about. Yeah. I just I just randomly, you know, I'm on Twitter, and I saw you promoting uh, Two Distant Strangers there. This is like a month, month and a half before the Oscars. Yeah. And, and I'm like, and I saw that it was nominated. I'm like, holy shit. And I DM'd you for the first time, and I've watched your Twitter account for years, and I've wanted to DM you, but I'm you know, a shy kind of God, <laughs> but I finally, yeah, I'm like, wow, congrats. And you immediately sent me a link 
like a private link. It wasn't on Netflix at the time. And I watched it immediately and was blown away, of course. And just immediately told you, I was like, dude, you're going to win. <laughs> and I immediately moved GodPod listeners to say, how about you, we, you want to be on the show? Maybe like the Monday after the Oscars. <laughs> That's what I still can't believe that this, the original schedule is like, oh, the day after the Oscars. Well, that I'm, might work. I'm an idealistic fool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that day, we're like, this is great. He won. Um, you know, <laughs> and we're all jumping up and down uh, the night that we watched it. And that day, though, I think you, you couldn't make it that day, which we totally understand. You were on a yacht somewhere right <laughs> i wish <laughs> with a bunch of champagne um but yeah it's everybody was telling me they're like god listen he's he's not gonna make it okay do you know what it's like to win an oscar and i was like no i know what it's like to get thanked anyway that's right, that's right. <laughs> and i even saw you know when when you won it was so amazing what you said you know your speech i think for me i think for a lot of people it was the highlight of the evening thank you the first thing you said was, oh, you looked at the sky and you said, oh, God is good. <laughs> and just thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving me credit. Like, you know, you, you didn't say anything about Trevor, you know, Trevor <laughs> Noah. <laughs> he was your employer. I know. I forgot. I forgot to thank him so you could pay me that money. <laughs> <laughs> I never got a mention either. I was kind of pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm the one doing all the bad things. Come on. Give me a little mention. <laughs> oh, God is so good. Oh, Hi. Oh. Uh, uh, today, the police will kill three people. And tomorrow, the police will kill three people. And the day after that, the police will kill three people because on average, the police in America every day kill three people, which amounts to about a thousand people a year. And those people happen to disproportionately be black people. And, you know, James Baldwin once said, the most despicable thing a person can be is indifferent to other people's pain. And so I just ask that you please not be indifferent, please. Don't be indifferent to our pain. Now, I'm curious here. When the film is finished, when you, when it's, as they say, in the can, is that what they say in the can? Yeah. Uh, is there a process where you or someone else involved says, you know what, we need to submit this for an Oscar? Or what is that process like? Yeah, you basically like, you know, when we finished shooting in last September, we were aiming for Sundance to get into Sundance yeah. and we submitted to Sundance. We did not get in. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. Right? Wow. <laughs> uh, we didn't get into Sundance. And then we, the Academy deadline was, I believe December 1st or 2nd. I can't remember which one it was. And so we were like, well, we're submitting for the Oscars and we got our film in pretty much at the buzzer because we finished our sound mix. Our final sound mix was like the same day the Oscars were having their final submission. So wow. it was like a race to the finish. Wow. And how yeah. long after you won the Oscar did Sundance contact you and say, we would love to have you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, what's funny is there was, I did get an email from someone wanting me to like meet with some woman from Sundance. <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> That's hilarious. So 
uh, if people don't know, if you haven't seen this this film, check it out. It's incredible. What can you tell us? How would you describe this, your movie, to anyone who hasn't seen it, Trayvon? I know I'd, I describe it two ways. Sometimes I take the simple approach and I say, uh, it's a movie about a guy who just wants to get home to his dog. <laughs> and then you go watch it and you're in for quite a ride. I love that. <laughs> in a more detailed way, I, I, I would say, you know, it's a story about a uh, a guy who is trying to get home to his dog, but keeps running into the same police officer who keeps killing him. And that prepares people a little better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I like the simplicity of the first description because it ties into the absurdity of why the story is being told in the first place, yeah. which is, you know, if I describe a movie about a guy who's just trying to get home to his dog, you can imagine 50 different barriers to that particular uh, journey. And I pre two distant strangers, I think most people would not have come up with ours. <laughs> and so even in giving you what the film actually is with its groundhog day, uh, loop it's still you still don't know what to expect and you still get a lot of surprise in there as well i love the the subtle details in the movie that there's so many things like just this just the first second that I, he he puts on the song and it's um this bruce hornsby song you know that's the way it is yeah and it's so depressing this whole situation and sad and horrific yeah but the way you come at it it's there's i, I feel like i have a, a sense of hope like at the end but yeah no absolutely that song was chosen on purpose it was yeah. the very first draft of the script having no idea bruce would ever let us use it <laughs> uh it's a very expensive song to put yeah. in a short film <laughs> but i think most people's budget for their short films aren't even the cost of that song wow. and so I, I did it with the hope that I could convince him to either let us use it for a very, very, very steep discount, or I was going to have to, at some point, find a new way through the narrative with a song that fit as perfectly as that one did, wow. because I knew I chose it for its, not only its lyrical content, but because of its connection of the past to the present and it was also a way of coloring carter's character as someone who you know you look at him and you would never think he knows who, who bruce hornsby in the range is. right oh he's not listening to the tupac version he's listening to the original exactly exactly and, and some people in the beginning were like why aren't you using the tupac version and i was like for that reason exactly <laughs> like, why why does he like reference jerry rice you know like right <laughs> Jerry Jeter. That's amazing. To put all your cards on the table in a way to use that song at the first draft. Yeah, it was a, a bold choice. Mm-hmm. I, um, I wrote him a very long email and he said yes. And that wow. was uh, wow. <laughs> a huge gift uh, to us. You know, so we took the title of the movie from the Tupac song, right. which samples right. Bruce change uh, changes. And, you know, so it was connected in both ways to both the original and its most famous uh, reinterpretation. and. Because when you, I wanted to set people up mentally, because when they first hear the song, they have, you don't initially, you don't immediately connect it to what's happening or what's about to happen. Or even the fact that that's just the way it is, is such a heavy message 
over what's actually taking place throughout the film. And so then when you land at the end of the film and you get that second verse of the song layered over the names of the victims, now it, it definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it all comes full circle. But what's also important about choosing it is the fact that he he's expressing exactly how many, many Black people feel, which is you see police violence and you think, oh, that's just the way it is in America. But there's a, a second part to that, that lyric that people often forget, which is, uh, but don't you believe them? Mm. And it's the part of the song that gives you hope, that tells you, you know, people will say that's just the way it is. Some things will never change, but don't you believe yeah. them? And that was what the, the overarching message of the film was, which is, it feels like things will never change, but we refuse to believe it. It's, yeah, it's right. almost like a passing kind of, uh, you know, whatever comment, the way Bruce ends that phrase when he goes, ah, but don't you believe it? It's so, exactly. it's so like, almost like he's just like, eh, but people don't really take that seriously. I, I never really thought about that little last part until you just mentioned it. Yeah, it's like, you know, coming from the comedy world as you do, right? And, and yeah. we, we do, we, we like to think that we're comedians here, but we try. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's a frustrated idealism that comes from being a comedian or a satirist. And that song, I think, mm-hmm. has always spoken to me as well, because you don't want things to be the way they are. How long did it uh, kind of take you to, to write the whole thing? And how many drafts did you end up doing? I wrote, I wrote it in five days in July of last wow. year. I mean, I basically approached it like I approach when I get assigned a script for a TV show. You know, I'm going to write a 30 page script and I have a week to do it. OK, I know how to do that already. Mm. So I'm just going to treat it like it's a, a, a script assignment, except now I get to dictate every single thing that goes in it. <laughs> so I don't have to overthink it um, or worry about someone going behind me and rewriting it. And yeah. so, you know, when I wrote it, the first draft, I really only wrote two drafts of it, the draft that I wrote first and then a draft closer to filming where I, I altered um, some of the dialogue in the end. I added Andrew Howard's monologue and I, I tweaked some of the car conversation. So really, I, I really only wrote two drafts of it. And I'd say what we shot was probably 90... Actually, no, we shot 100% of the script, actually. And in edit, we probably used 90% of it. And you filmed it during the pandemic. Is that right? Yeah, we shot it last September. What was that like doing it? Did that feel like it was impacting the shoot? I mean, it it definitely impacted us from a budget perspective because in order to be able to shoot last summer in that very brief window where they allowed people to film outside in L.A., you had to have the COVID um, like compliance people be a part of your production. And this was the very, very beginning of this mm. thing. And so it was still new. Like now every movie set and TV set has these people and it's built into every budget. But at this particular time, it was still such a new thing that, you know, companies were charging pretty much like Wild, Wild West prices. It was like, everyone needs us so we can charge whatever we want pretty much. Wow. Um, and so when we, when SAG basically told us, oh, you guys need to have approval from one of these companies to sign off on your production before we'll give you a permit wow. to, to shoot, we found out that was going to cost us a third of the money we'd raised to shoot the movie. Wow. And so we ended up 
spending close to $130,000 just on COVID compliance. And we were like, well, we just spent almost half of our budget to be able to get the COVID people. How are we going to raise the rest of the money? And so we went and chased more money as quickly as we could. And we we didn't get all of it, but we got enough to get us through the five days of filming. And we were just like, you know, as long as we have the movie shot, we can let bill collectors, you know, chase us as appropriate, (laughs) as necessary. (laughs) They can hound us, but they can't take the movie from us. (laughs) Uh, So let's just get the movie and deal with the rest of the money later. Wow! And so we shot the, we shot the movie. I think we raised the money we needed for the final day of filming when we were like three days in and we shot for five days. And so, um, we were literally building the plane as we were falling out of the sky. Wow. <laughs> Once we had gotten the COVID people, like basically raked us over the coals and we got all our paperwork in order. We shot it last week of September, which was the last time Joey was available. And we shot it downtown LA. And so it's it's a very, very difficult place to shoot in general, even with with the very, very large homeless and displaced population. Um, and when you factor in, you know, COVID of last summer, it was, it was crazy, man. I mean, we, the fact that we were able to get it done was nothing short of a miracle. I was just thinking miracle. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely a miracle. I mean, with the amount of impediments we had and things that, like, all the mountains that we faced we somehow were able to get over them by ways that just felt like divine intervention, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is the thing that's supposed to end us or, or make this thing not work anymore. And then somehow, some way, like something would come through or something would happen and, and we would be able to, you know, get the thing we needed. And even with filming, there was some like complications of because of COVID, like you had shorter shoot days. Get 10 hour days instead of 12 and you know you're being kicked out of places literally like on the dot and not a lot of flexibility around whether you were in the middle of a scene or not marshall walked in on one of our scenes to kick us out of an apartment we wow. were using wow. it was very very crazy to, to do it during that time and the fact that we managed to get it done was just un- unbelievable well yeah God, it was divine intervention god wanted this movie to get out there and wants everyone to see it <laughs> and it's won an Oscar. Like you have to watch it. <laughs> it's the best. And share. And- God yeah. called it. You called it. God. You said that's going to win. Of course, <laughs> I knew. I knew it was going to win. It's a revelation, and I know uh, excellence when I see it. So all the events that happened in the movie, these were all based on real incidents, correct? Yeah, they were all everything. I wanted the film to be as uh, bulletproof, for lack of a better term, as possible. Mm in terms of anyone trying to say, oh, well, like, that's never happened to to anybody before. Right. This is just like, you're just making stuff up yeah. now. Or it's like, nope, every single instance, down to the backpack interaction, which was taken from a recorded stopping frisk call from 2015 or 2014. All of it's real. All of it's taken from real life experiences, either mine or other people's. And... I wanted it to be that way on purpose so that it's almost like 
you're watching a fictionalized documentary. It's wow. just horrifying. It's like living in an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's just horrible. The indifference to it all from Republicans. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised at how many conservatives and people who I thought would have been, you know, complete enemies of the film, mm-hmm. for lack of a better expression, uh, down to police officers who just enjoyed the movie. Right. I, you know, if you walk through a neighborhood in America, especially a white neighborhood, you're going to see a lot of police blue line flags right now. Yeah, you know, it's funny. In November of last year, um, I went to Big Bear for like four or five days. And I was very, I didn't, I didn't know much about Big Bear as a city in terms of its people and politics. I, everyone thinks of it as like a ski vacation getaway mm-hmm. type place. The amount of Trump and Blue Lives flags I saw out there was wow. astounding. No. No, no. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Big Bear. It's, it's, I didn't know that yeah, either. That's first I, Big yeah. I just yeah. figured ski town and it, that's big racist bear. Yeah. They go for bodies of waters. That's what they aim for. Yeah, that's so true. Bodies of water. You have no idea. Um, but the rural areas, and they, it's just, it's the how they identify themselves now as being in that cult. Yeah. It's like a Nazi flag type of situation. Um, I hate it. I, I'm seeing more and more of it. There are bumper stickers. There's sweatshirts. Yeah. yeah, I see a lot of bumper stickers in LA. It's the new, like, Trump flag type of thing. Yeah. What do we, what is to be done? Like, they just keep, see the thing, you know, I, I know a lot of those people be like, oh yeah, I watched that. I agree. But then when a push comes to right. shove, they don't want to change anything. Yeah. They, every video they see, they're like, oh, but what about another video? And you didn't see this. You know what right. I mean? They'll, they'll try to pretend all day long that they're not racist or, or anything, but somehow they always just you know, are on the wrong side. Part of it is an acknowledgement of not only having a certain level of privilege, but recognizing how that privilege affects other people, especially when it affects other people negatively. And then the work it takes to undo how it affects people negatively requires not just an acknowledgement of, of a certain amount of privilege, but how do you re- distribute that privilege to other people and not feel like your life is going to be worse off for it. I mean, it's like, if I get a better bank loan, it doesn't hurt you. Right. You're getting your bank loan on a fair assessment of your financial situation. I'm not getting mine based off of what people think about me because of the color of my skin, which and has nothing to do mm-hmm. with my finances. Like I remember recently applying for uh, a credit limit increase on the uh, the Apple credit card that they have now because I wanted to buy a new computer, but I didn't want to just, I wanted to buy like a really fancy one because I hated my desktop. And I was like, well, you know, I have this Apple credit card. It has a decent amount of money on it, but I want a little more so I can go higher up on these specs because like, I could have paid for it cash, but it's like, if I don't have to, why right. not? And so I, uh, I apply for the credit limit increase. I put in my income and the, I think they gave me a $500 increase. And I was so like taken aback by the fact that like, 
the amount of money I just told you that I've made in the last two years is only worth 500 more dollars. And I'm like, this can't be like, I know, I don't need to see the data. I don't need to know anything. I know exactly what this is. Like you are, I, you are an out, a person on algorithm is looking at my account and making a, a judgment. And we already know that these things, especially from, uh, I think it's Goldman Sachs, who's the bank over those Apple credit cards. We already know their history with this stuff. And so I was just like, you know what? I, I, I spoke to a person and I was like, you know, what? I don't even, I don't even want this card anymore because the fact that I, I can tell you I've earned this much money and you, you don't think that's worth giving me a $7,000 credit limit on a credit card is absurd. Right. <laughs> it's mm. things like that where you, you look at how people are in constant fear of losing something and thinking it's a zero sum game. And, and, you know, there's always going to be a percentage of people in every population who are unreachable because, you know, the human brain in all of its magnificence is, is very flawed. And if people only experience a limited uh, purview of life and a limited understanding of different types of people after a certain point, that's a cemented way of living. There's not a lot you can do to undo that. There's not a lot of people who have the time and energy or resources to undo and unmake up the adult mind. It's very difficult. And um, the human brain is, is made to, you know, become set in its ways in that way. And for better or worse, it, and it's worse, it, it makes, you know, blue lives and Nazis and mm. all these types of people who have these ridiculous belief systems, um, you know, impossible to fully eradicate. And so um, what you end up having to do is you have to do, you have to convince good people, you have to convince, you know, willing people to do the hard work of, of progress. And it comes at an inconvenience to, to a lot of people. Uh, no matter how temporary that inconvenience is. And a lot of people eventually feel like, you know what, my, at the end of the day, my life's pretty good and this is hard. And I've made it 30, 40 years. And it's like, life is short. You know what? Somebody else will do it. I'm just going to ride this out and continue to do things the way I've been doing them because it's, if, like at the end of the day, no one's going to know that I'm not, you know, right. working mm-hmm. for the progress of minorities or whoever the case may be, mm-hmm. or, or women or queer people. I'm just one person. And if enough people feel that way, you have enough people that create a society like the one we live mm-hmm. in. Apathy. And we also know that the opposite is true, that when you have enough people who are fed up with the thing, who are who want something to change for better or worse, like January 6th, right. you see yeah. the result of that. So we know that people are capable. We know that we have a society of people who are capable of doing the work. It's just a matter of when you decide in the same way that I look at my privilege as a man, when it comes to women and I have to decide how do I want to use what I have to now not only undo the uneven society we live in, in relation to gender, but how can I use my, my position to help 
bring women into the forefront of, you know, where we exist in society as men, that is on its face, seemingly an inconvenience. It's me having to go, I have to go out of my way now to make sure that, you know, I'm speaking up for women or doing this or doing that. And it's not an inconvenience because it's a society I want to live in. It's no different than doing any other work I want to do in order to create a world I want to live in. And so if, if people approach race in society that same way, you end up getting to the same place. You just need people to understand there's a temporary discomfort and sometimes you having to go above and beyond your everyday life to actually make that society a reality, but you you're doing it because you want to live in a better world. You want your kids to live in a better world. You want people around you to just have a better time being alive. And when you've experienced any type of an injustice or any type of oppression, it makes it easier to understand it for someone else. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how do you make people care about things? Is I a problem that I feel yeah. all the time? I feel like I should have spent more time making human brains. <laughs> Sometimes I regret free will, like every day. <laughs> I mean, and and the system, like you were describing the credit card system, it's it's you can see the effects of Roman civilization all throughout modern civilization, right? And you can see how God, how I'm all through. People are say, "Oh my God!" Like every five seconds. Um, and then white supremacy is just baked into the system. It's now in your algorithms. Yeah, And it's affecting everything. And people just yeah. they don't understand that. And even if they right. do understand, like you said, do they care? Right. Make the choice to be good, humans. <laughs> yeah. Please, please right. care about people other than yourselves. But I, I appreciate the art of, of yeah. making a movie like this. It's just, it comes from your heart. And it's just, it's the attempt to try and, and change people's minds. To make them care. That's what this movie you know, can possibly do for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, that's the hope. That's really the hope. Again, if you want to meet up after, I've got like a ton of ideas to pitch you. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good Satan ideas. Oh, Satan. But beyond that, what what do you think are some things that people can do? Because I I think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know what to do. I voted for Biden. Yeah. (laughs) What do I do now? What do you think is the solution for this? Defund the police, abolish, reform? There is a lot of information out there about how and why police reform at this stage is not only an impossibility, but is pretty much set up to fail. And, you know, what we need to do is you have to have a multi-pronged approach to solving these problems. And it starts, you know, local level. It starts with your your mayors and your city councils, and then that becomes, you know, your your governors. And it's it's looking at how these places out in your city are not only allocating resources to police departments, but how are they being used and how effective are they? And then you look at the policies um, that are set up to to govern the police departments and the the con- the union contracts that they have. Like in almost every city in America a police officer killing someone is not a violation of their policy. It's not a violation of the, the code of conduct or the, 
the the union contract and that can change tomorrow right. if if we really wanted it to that's something that can change tomorrow there are a lot of places where a police officer who is fired can be not only rehired from the same department but can be rehired somewhere else even if the crime even if they've been been you know found to have violated the, the contract or the policies and that is something it needs to change and so it's it's a system that for some reason it, it wants to call certain people bad apples, but it also wants to keep those apples in the orchard. And when you look at the fact that you're telling me there's only a handful of bad people, but I won't do anything to eradicate them, what what are you actually saying to society? And so it's as a as a society, as a as a country, we have to do the legwork of of change and progress from a local level up because it doesn't people think it's this big top down thing where it's like oh well if the president just signs this bill or that bill or if this like no it's it's these are local jurisdictions and things that can be changed on a local level that can sweep the country and create drastic um reform that make uh, that make it so that police are held accountable for their actions. And right now there is very, very, very little accountability. And um, as long as that's perv- as pervasive as it is, you know, we are, we are not going to see big changes anytime soon. We will continue to keep beating the drum and having the conversation that we're having, but we aren't going to see you know, massive, massive change. You'll see some cosmetic stuff in here and there, but the the fact that the police kill a thousand people, over a thousand people a year, um, is it's insane. It's just un unnecessary. It's it's and it comes from the top down, like right, like the NRA. They have this police organization, and they come with sh- shoot to kill. I remember the first time I heard that. Mm-hmm. I said, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. No, we don't. Right. We, we always shoot to kill. Why? Whatever happened to thou shall not kill humans? That's what I'm trying to say. Right. I really hope that um, people really work on this and continuously make progress because I'm sick of it. We're all sick of it. You've won an Oscar now, Trayvon. What do you want to do next? I want to direct more movies. I want to keep making television. I mean, I want to keep using my platform to create uh you know a world that looks like a world i want to live in i want i don't have it in me to make art that doesn't say anything about society or doesn't provide some type of either conversation starter or or anything of that nature i mean even i think even the most benign stories can still serve the world uh, beyond entertainment. And so I just want to keep being able to use my space and my platform to leave behind something that is valuable and something that can continue to push society forward. Mm, me too. Something like Satan on Mars? <laughs> no, but don't work with Satan. He's a dick. Does that hit anything? Watch out for Satan. Because that's just one of the many ideas I have. He never gives up. 
He's got a fun sidekick too. Her name is Death. Wait, what? You're hitting your Satan sidekick now? Damn it. We come in a group. We're just trying to get cast out here in movies. <laughs> Thank you so much for breaking that down for us, Trayvon. Congrats again. Um, it's time for is this a Bible verse or a thing a Republican said? Take it away, Death. Well, it's okay. really hard to transition into that. Is it? It's always <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> Was that too much of a transition? No, no, no. <laughs> something so meaningful. Something so meaningful that it's That's like, let's sharp, play a game. I know. Sharp that was a sharp turn. turn. That was. I'm sharp sorry. turn. I'm sorry. Speaking of Republicans, is this a Bible verse or a thing a Republican said? Is that better? <laughs> yeah, it's my... <laughs> Smooth. Smooth. I think you hit it. <laughs> okay, great. All right. Here's our first quote. The best thing about the earth is if you poke holes in it, oil and gas come out. Oh. What do you think, Trevon? That sounds very Republican. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That was former Repub uh, Representative Steve Stockman from Texas. Okay, here's our next one. When you see the other side chopping off heads, waterboarding doesn't sound very severe. Wow. That's Bible. That's 100% <laughs> right? Bible. Sounds like Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Donald Trump, 2016, on wow. This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Shocker. But yeah, the chopping of heads, very biblical. He was quoting the Bible. Um, <laughs> number three, I permit no woman to teach or have authority over men. She is to keep silent. Oh, that's got to be Matt Gates. going to go with Donald Trump <laughs> Jr. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was the Bible, Timothy 2.11. Whoa. Timothy Chalamet 2.11. <laughs> all right our next one there's once in a lifetime opportunity to take this global cable of satan worshiping pedophiles out genesis right the book of genesis <laughs> yeah that's what he did on the second day <laughs> no that was marjorie taylor green oh your, your old boo wow. satan <laughs> wow i miss her all right <laughs> If a man's testicles are crushed or his penis is cut off, Oof. he may not be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. Mitch McConnell, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I love including the year, too. That was the Bible, Deuteronomy. That was the Bible. Yeah, it, it could if just anything, well. that's early Mitch. That's 2005, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. Well, oh, that was Hillary Clinton, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> on the campaign <laughs> on the trail Ac according to according to uh QAnon. right <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. leviticus 26 29 what yeah i know there's there's stuff in there have you ever read it moses i i i skimmed through i, I haven't i skimmed through i haven't it gotten bit. but i have gotten these yeah. all right moral of story women in military bad idea <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Revelations. <laughs> Mike Pence, 1999, oh. in an op-ed. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. wow. <laughs> All right, this next one is Mother. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Mike Pence's Bible. Yes, that, yeah, that's Mike Pence, that's yeah. yes. <laughs> Just all the time. Uh, okay, <laughs> we've got a few more. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Whoa, that's a tough one. Uh, Greg Gutfeld on the five. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Greg Gutfeld's getting into comedy now? Oh, right, wait, they got their own daily show. That was well, actually comedy getting into him. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was actually Mike Pence, but I have to say that one was right in the line. That could have been from the Bible. Was that Mike Pence? <laughs> That's what it says here in the Oh wait, no, 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 sorry. No, that was that was the that Bible. That was that was Deuteronomy. No, that was 16. the Bible. Sorry. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get glasses. Okay. The earth will end only when God declares its time to be over. Man will not destroy this earth. Uh that was the my pillow guy, wasn't it? <laughs> right it's not Lou Dobbs <laughs> it's rep- representative John Shimkus oh boy <laughs> whoever that is definitely Republican Republican yeah GOP okay we've got a couple more we were put on this earth as creatures of God to have dominion over the earth to use it wisely and steward it wisely but for our benefit not for the earth's benefit oh I heard the word dominion it has to be um, at that my pillow guy again come on my pillow guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Bible on that one. Mm. It's Rick Santorum. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh. His last name is, Google it, what his last name means. It's fun. Courtesy <laughs> <laughs> of the Daily Show. Oh, did not know that. All right, we've got our last one. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. <laughs> Tom Cotton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently that was Genesis. Yeah. He's right wow. though. That's got that's got Tom Cotton written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, great job assembling these death. Amazing. Uh, it was really hard to tell. Ooh. And thank you for playing, Trevon. That was That could also be Ted Cruz. <laughs> they all could be Ted Cruz. It could be any number of them. I guess it's time for a little bit of the goddamn news. Apparently the Golden Globes. 2022 has been canceled. I saw you tweeting about this, Trayvon. What, what? What's going on there? Yeah. Canceled. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're done, man. They uh you know, it's funny this whole whole situation that they find themselves in is is all because they're so stubborn they don't want any black people in their body. Wow. <laughs> and and they don't want to change. They don't want to stop being shady business people. They don't want to uh, broaden the the color of the, the the voting body that they have and so now everyone's decided to walk away and i think we're witnessing the end of the golden globes as we know it i think they might be done good oh, it's my favorite award show <laughs> Damn why it, satan, satan? Why? why is that i one? love the golden globes everything seems wrong and yet it but feels something so something wrong the whole something i didn't realize <laughs> until this all came out was that, uh, of course, uh, Tom Cruise returned three of his Golden Globe trophies to protest, and that did. I didn't realize he had three. <laughs> I didn't. I, di- I didn't realize he had three. So that's good, though. But but it's it's is that a thing? Are people returning the trophies? Is that is that happening with a lot more people? Uh, I think he's the second person. Okay. I mean, they're just at this point they they're meaningless now. Yeah. The, 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 the value of having one is completely plummeted. It's just their doorstops now. Wow. They're the new Dogecoin. <laughs> right. Hey, right. no, Dogecoin is here to stay. Sorry. Yeah, you <laughs> had a bad weekend. Oscars. You had a bad weekend, Satan. Uh, <laughs> Dogecoin fell through the floor. Ugh. Um, I, speaking of this blue line flag, by the way, which I absolutely detest, I, I found some some good news happening here. Uh, pa- Paso Robles police chief removes thin blue line flag, sparking uproar. 
And then also, Maryland District Court Chief Judge bans thin blue line masks over bias concerns, hmm. which, you know, when you're as depressed as I am, getting the tiniest, slightest thing happening, I'm like, that's awesome, something. Um, because these flags, I don't know. I don't know about anyone else, but they really, really bother me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so good job. Please keep banning them. I don't know what else to say, but let's wrap it up here. We're going to we're gonna play our game of Bless, Smite, and Evolve. Things we loved gets a blessing. Things we didn't like get a smite. And things we want more of gets an evolution. Things we love. Okay, I'm going to go first. Blessing. Bless you, Trayvon, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Absolutely wonderful for sharing all your thoughts and, and, and answering our questions. Just such a... It's such a pleasure to have you and an honor. Thank you. Um, my smite goes to these thin blue line flags. And uh, my evolution, I would say more Golden Globes being used as doorstops. That sounds fun. <laughs> Bless. Oh, my gosh. Groundbreaking. You almost made me become uh, like get back into heaven. You know, that was a beautiful smite uh the golden globe is dying i'm actually really upset about that <laughs> i guess i'm just gonna stick to the country music awards that's what i'll have to watch all year and evolve honestly what i really want to evolve is you know a working relationship with you trevon i want to reach out with ideas <laughs> and just get your thoughts you know maybe we can like exec produce something maybe we get writer's credit you know whatever you need like let's get this going let's get this ball rolling man not today satan my bless is um getting to play the republican bible game with trevon and and having uh all of the bible ones be ted cruz <laughs> my smite is uh satan pitching uh film ideas that we've co-created yes. without running yes. it past me satan and death run a coffee shop and uh, somebody comes in and tries to rob the coffee shop hijinks ensue that's already <laughs> it's basically written already think and of the conversation my, my evolve is trying to get the llc on the production company that satan and i are hoping to create <laughs> mm, wow things are moving fast i have to say my bless is uh to god because uh, it has been a, a rough go at it. It's been a long year, year and a half. And he has uh, uh, still gone strong with uh, the pod and uh, keeping it together. So that's my bless. This is such a, such a my wife is about to give birth kind of answer. It is. You know? Well, Get my wife room. is about to give birth. So I'm getting a little, you <laughs> Get know. Get a room. I'm getting verklempt here. Stop. So, I'm getting verklempt. So uh, my smite is uh i have to say to um the golden globes uh because i've i've been wanting to smite them for many many years and now my smite is just more uh meaningful now because they're being smited <laughs> so i smite them you like that uh, yeah yes evolve i would like to see uh uh if this is uh, correct i'd like to see more work from Trayvon uh i'd like to see uh more uh, what he can, what he comes up with, uh, just from our conversation today, I want to know more. I want to see more. So that's that's my evolve. And yeah, I'm a little uh, more emotional because uh, my my wife's water's about to break. But you know, <laughs> in heaven, that's the way it is. Uh, after the baby comes out, I'll get back to being. Ah, uh, uh, but don't you believe them? Right. right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say, I guess, 
my bless is to to your new f- future baby that's coming mm. pretty soon. Oh. Uh, best of luck with with that. And Thank you. Congratulations. Um, I will also smite the Golden Globes for being utterly ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs> being so stubborn that it, it absolutely makes no sense. Um, and my evolve will. I'll, I'll say to the podcast, I hope it continues to grow oh. and you guys oh. get amazing guests. And, uh, you know, I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. That is Unreal. so nice. I love that, everybody. Great job. Except for you, Satan. <laughs> I give myself a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Satan did the best today. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. That was wonderful. We'll see you next time on The God Pod. The Lord has spoken. If you enjoyed The God Pod, make sure to follow us on your podcast app and help us grow by sharing The God Pod with your friends. Send them to thegodpodcast.com or they can just Google The God Pod. It's everywhere, folks. And finally, if you'd like to join our private Discord server, talk to me, the Lord thy God, Get an extra episode of The God Pod every week. Then join our Patreon today at patreon.com slash thegodpod. Thanks, humans. <laughs>